Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Ed, Mike, Gina, and myself, Steve. As always, we are recording this live and we'll have it up as a podcast shortly after its conclusion. We invite listeners to please send any feedback you may have on the show to our email, which is ejsshow at protonmail.com. I'm also reminded by the powers that be to remind people to go to libertyblock.com where there is always new material, much of which is focused on New Hampshire, where there happen to be a lot of really important things going on, and much of which is also focused on national news as well. So with that, good afternoon, folks. Good afternoon, everyone. Mike in New Jersey. Hello. Yeah, we got to hey, get- everyone. Welcome around. back, Gina. Thank you. Got to get everybody backgrounds to- uh, identify where they are like we had last week laser in ukraine so i made him his in russian so that no one can know where he is anyway <laughs> just just give me a dumpster fire and i think people will get it <laughs> no that could be anywhere in biden's america except for maybe florida so, so here's the stories i'm looking at and you guys could talk about whatever you want to talk about there's the gillibrand being caught maskless that's just the, the little minor um, hypocrisy of the week story. Um, another doctor suspended from a hospital in Texas for backing ivermectin and opposing vaccine mandates, which speaks to where are all the doctors? Why don't they speak up? Well, I guess they want to have jobs. Mm. MIT scientist warns of major brain damage to kids from COVID shots. That's probably a fringe nut from a lousy school. Majority of Democrats favor house arrest for the unvaccinated nearly a third want them to lose custody of children with another story of a Canadian judge who removes visitation rights from a father over VAC status. And that's not the first such case that I've seen where people are losing visitation with their children. Um, we may go to our Virginia correspondent if he wants to talk to us about Youngkin, yay or nay, how's he doing in his first few days in office, which seemingly is pretty positive from what I can see out here. We have the non-terror incident in Texas where randomly somebody who had nothing to do with anti-Semitism went to a synagogue where there happened to be Jews, but we know that that had nothing to do with anti-Semitism. And then we have a couple of really interesting cancel calls. Oh, man. Do I have to mute somebody? Robert. Okay, no problem. So anyway, that's a good start to get us started. We can, uh, Gina, since you're back, pick one or any story that you would like to talk about. I would like to talk about the terrorist situation, the actual terrorist. Um, the, was he British national? Yes, he was British. He was not at all a Muslim. He was just a nice British guy, mm -hmm. you know. He Holy even bought him a, a, a spot of tea or something. Yeah. Did that sound British? I don't know. It sounded very British. <laughs> he was, that's, that's all he was there for, just spot of tea. But yeah, um, I was just blown away the fact that they tried to somehow cover this and spin this story because all it is is you know parents moms everybody that's conservative we are the domestic terrorists and here's an actual terrorist threat and uh everybody can see it it's streamed on facebook live i mean only for so many hours but come on you're not going to even acknowledge that this was a terrorist attack is it just my mind so they is did blown. they did after enough blow after uh, after enough yes but the media I was on a radio show in New Hampshire with Liz Gabert yesterday, and she wanted to talk about that angle of it. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's so many angles, but I got an article 
um, that listed 20 of incidents in the last 20 years where they did this exact game of nothing to see here. Mm-hmm. If you remember the horrible stuff that happened in France seven years ago. Is that the stabbings? The kosher supermarket and Charlie Hebdo. And I was lucky enough to be in France a few weeks after it happened. And I went to the supermarket where it would close. And there were a bunch of French guards there and a whole bunch of flowers because so many people were killed. And that was when Obama said it was just a random bunch of people who happened to be in the store. Not Jewish people who happened to be in a kosher supermarket on Friday afternoon preparing for the Sabbath. So this is, they do this over and over. And luckily the blowback to an extent got them to say, oh yeah, maybe it was terrorism. And the other angle, of course, is why didn't they pick this guy up? Why wasn't he on the radar since he was on the radar in the UK? But again, if you're busy fighting the only real terrorism in the world, why would you waste resources on some Brit? Right. Why would you waste resources? Why would you waste the resources? And we do we don't where anybody that has came over across our border is honestly. We had 50,000 people that they've led into the interior of the United States that never showed up for their court hearings that came over the southern border. They don't have a clue as to where the heck they are. You mean, I, I have no confidence that they're doing anything when it comes to screening people that are coming into the United States. And do you think it's at all likely that people who are here illegally or overstay their visas could ever be an actual threat to the homeland? Well, 100%. Why, what would you base that on, Gina? What would I base it on personally? Yes, historically, I mean, can you mention any incidents in which immigrants who overstayed their visas attacked our country? Well, Anybody oh, else want I'm to trying, I'm, See, and I'm thinking realistically, like people that I interacted with, darn it, never mind. I, I am, I'm trying, I'm like, who did Anybody I arrest and overstayed? answer that question before Jeez, I do? Louise. Yes, the, the dudes that were down in flight school down in Sarasota or Venice, Florida, well, how, about nine, how about 9-11 for us? That's soldiers. what I was just saying. They, that's where they did their flight school was in Venice. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was getting there. You, yep. I was circling. Right. I was circling around. Jeez. But yes, it happens all the time. It's ridiculous. Look at the ones that over, have overstayed in California and they end up drunk behind a wheel. Oh, look at the Kit Kat. It has its own screen. But, you know. I'm wondering. Here's, the, I guess, the major question <laughs> you should have asked to be a little bit more serious. Sorry. Was this British non-terrorist vaccinated? Okay. And did he endanger their lives that he could have made them sick with COVID? And I haven't seen that reported on. Maybe <sighs> you should ask that. <laughs> I mean, this is a dog bites man story, right? I mean, the media lies, the leftists lie, they further their narrative. Things that don't further their narrative, they, they pretend don't exist. I mean, you know, news story at 11. This is something that happens every day. Yep. It is. And you've heard, how many stories have we heard about illegal aliens that are here that have either snuck in illegally or have overstayed their visas or their work permits and it's a drunk driving incident and they kill somebody or there was a shooting down in Nogales and it was done by an illegal immigrant. I mean, you hear stories, they only last maybe, you know, 35 minutes in the news cycle, but they happen so frequently. It's unreal. I mean, what's a little bit more interesting to me about this terrorist incident is the rabbi who was a reform rabbi was super, super liberal. Apparently his best friends included Muslims who belonged to care and were active in care. And it would be interesting to see if he moves slightly more realistic from this or more likely just as more worried about Islamophobia than he even was last week. 
history is any guide, he's gonna he's not gonna move right, he'll move left. Yep, very, very sad. They're just gonna cozy up even more. So I thought, I mean, shifting gears, I, the story that really got to me this week was were the redistricting stories that you shared. And yeah, you okay, let's the take that our, over. Talk about that a little bit. What's going on and what should be going on? Well, we just had a census. And after the census, the state legislatures get to redistrict their congressional districts for the, for the federal elections. And all the Democrat states are gerrymandering like crazy, making sure they cut out as many Republican districts as they can. And the Republicans are doing their best to try and maximize Democrat districts and play fair. And the one, you know, the, the, the two states that were repeatedly in the, in the news stories were uh, Florida and Missouri. Florida is currently, I think, 1610 Republican with one vacant seat. And the so-called experts say that it would be very easy for the Republicans to do a uh, well, that was that's uh, sixteen ten one is twenty seven seats. So they're go, they, they're getting one. They're going to have twenty eight. That they could easily do a uh, twenty to eight map, and they could even do a twenty one to seven map if they really wanted to push the envelope. But instead, they they propose the Senate in Florida has proposed a sixteen twelve map, and DeSantis, to his credit, has uh, said he'd veto it and put forth a counter proposal um, for, for anyone who's, who's maybe eyes are glazing over at the numbers. I mean, the difference between a, a 21 seven map and a 16, uh, 16, 12 map is five. And that's the difference in Congress right now. Uh, Nancy Pelosi would not have the majority if five, if there were five more Republican seats. So every seat does matter. Um, and, particularly when you've got Democrats playing the game, they play to win and our guys just don't play to win. You know, we talked yeah. about that also, you know, Ed Powell did a really good job talking about that with our justices during the, the bonus podcasts that we did on, on the weekend. And uh, you know, when we talked about the Supreme court decisions last week, our guys never seem to play to win. They never put the best arguments forth. They never put uh, they never put the best game plan forward. they they're always on defense, even when they don't need to be. I mean, the, the state legislatures have total control over redistricting. The Democrats know how to play that game, and the Republicans just don't seem to know how to play the game. Yeah, so, unless they're setting uh, DeSantis up to get another notch in his belt, but I doubt they're smart enough to do that. Not likely. You know, Steve Bannon on his war room was hammering Florida for this for a couple of weeks. And I have no idea if that's why DeSantis woke up, because what DeSantis is talking about doing is seems to be excellent. Um, but he's, he's ranted about it in a few other states where they're not taking advantage. Again, is yeah. it because Republicans don't believe in anything or is it because they're just too busy being nice and moving on and getting along? You know, oh. George W. Bush style. Let's just get along. <laughs> I don't think it's either. I don't <laughs> think they're nice. They're nasty as hell. They're only nasty against conservatives. Let's be careful here. Right, but so but they look, know how to be nasty. Ed, Ed, we've seen this in New Jersey 10 years ago too, where the Republicans just cave and cratered everything. I mean, I believe in New Jersey, every state has rules, right, about what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do with these districts. And in New Jersey, they were splitting towns up into thirds, and you're not supposed to do stuff like that. And they just the Republicans just let them get away with it. So 
you know, it's really interesting when it comes to this gerrymandering stuff, because you think of states like New Jersey as deep blue. But once a certain party is in power and there's a census and there's redistricting, that power becomes more entrenched. You know what I mean? And it gradually gets worse. So I think if New Jersey had a fair process, it would be a lot less blue than it is. Um, let me ask you a question. How many real Republicans are in New Jersey besides you? <laughs> there are a few, if any, are still left and haven't moved to Florida yet. I mean, some New Jersey Republicans are like New York Republicans. Hey, we almost won the, the governorship last fall. Come on. And what would it be? That's why I'm curious to go back to that other subject. Ed Powell, what's going on in Virginia? Is he surprising you? I, I do think um, he surprised me when he, um, uh, the new governor, Governor Youngkin, uh, issued an executive order, not just uh, removing the mask mandates from uh, most of the state and, and the schools, but he actually tr is trying to make it illegal for local school districts to impose their own mask mandates and um, make it up to the individual student and parent. Now, the communists around here, uh, Fairfax County and Arlington County and uh, uh, Richmond and a couple of other, probably the Charlottesville area, area are, are fighting back and saying, no, no, we can, uh, we ha have control of the mask mandate. And Youngkin has threatened to use all the power of the of the governor to prevent them from forcing masks on the students. Now, that's all great. You know, hooray for the good guys. Everybody's done, but this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where we can tell the difference between someone who's serious, a Republican who's serious, and a Republican who's just trying to, um, you know, score political points. And that is, what is Youngkin now going to do? And if he, I, I don't know what his power is. Um, the legislature is split. Uh, the Senate is controlled by the Democrats and the assembly is controlled by the Republicans. So it's not like he can ram through a bill. So I, I don't know what his executive power is in this particular issue, but I expect him to do something. And if he doesn't do anything, at all and just said, well, you know, eh, I wish I could, but you know, the typical Republican uh, uh, dance of, of failure, then we'll know he wasn't serious. But if he, um, if he does do something, um, I, I think uh, masking children is, is effectively child abuse. I think there's a number of studies out there that show that the children's development is stunted um, when they can't see each other's faces and the teacher's face. And uh, there's all sorts of kids, you know, who can't hear properly. I mean, I, I have trouble hearing people behind uh, masks. Um, and so it, there are a ton of reasons why masks are bad. I, you know, they don't work to prevent respiratory infections. That's number one reason that stoop, they're stupid, but um, they also do actual damage. The other thing he did is he, he, um, did an executive order banning uh, the teaching of critical race theory. Um, I think that's good. Um, but again, the, the issue is, you know, what are you going to do about it? They're still going to teach, uh, you know, Robin DiAngelo, Ibram X. Kendi kind of white fragility, 
you know, white, um, white guilt, what are they, white, you know, white privilege, they're still going to do that. And because critical race theory is a, you know, it's a fairly complex Marxist analysis of race in the United States that, you know, is a, is a college level subject. It's like, let's take Marx's um, teachings and, you know, we'll combine them with, with um, some of the, the great, um, you know, Marxists, Marcuse and Foucault and some of the others and come up with an idea that race is the key to understanding all of the history of the United States. So Marx would say, well, it's the class struggle between the bourgeoisie and the, and the proletariat. And they're saying, well, you know, Marx is, it was right about, you know, Victorian England or wherever he was talking about. But, you know, in reality, in the United States, it wasn't so much class, it's race. And then they do the whole Marxian analysis. And of course, they're not teaching that. They're not teaching the theory in school. They're teaching the result of the theory, which the, is all whites are bad, um, that whiteness itself is the true problem with the United States and that white children should be ashamed of themselves and that whiteness is their original sin uh, and they should uh, defer to their, uh, you know, students of color uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and, and so that's not critical race theory. That's a result. That's the praxis, what they, what the Marxists call the praxis, which is a combination of theory and activism together. So what they do in, uh, in the schools is they do CRT praxis. And so when you write an executive order that says you won't teach critical, also, you won't teach critical race theory, then that's fine. The teachers will just keep on doing what they're doing. So the question is now what? That's a good first step. I like you, do it. But now they're going to continue teaching CRT. They're going to continue teaching the you know, critical gender studies, which is where they uh, basically do the same Marxian analysis, where they demonize um, straight people, especially straight married people, uh, like all of us, and um, and they celebrate uh, people who uh, you know are not straight and are not uh, cisgendered, um, and they do this to five-year-olds in Have first you- grade and kindergartners, and of course it's it's. It's almost sexual abuse. Sometimes it is sexual abuse. Sometimes there's um, there's child pornography in the schools. Um, real honest to God, you know, teaching kids that it's okay to have sex with adults, same sex sex with adults. Of course, you know, you would never want to teach them to have sex opposite sex sex with adults. So it's like, what is he going to do? Right? He's made the executive order, and um, you know, good for him, but. They're obviously not going to follow it with the masks or the or the CRT or the critical gender studies. So the question becomes, you know, what's he going to do about it uh, when they disobey? And I'm I'm waiting to see what happens because it, the difference between a normal Republican and it, and a Republican you really support is the normal Republican says stuff that you think, yeah, yeah, that's good, and then does nothing, and an effective Republican. Um, fights like he is, uh, you know, in a pit with uh, a bunch of uh, a rabid dogs, which is, in fact, what he is in. Exactly right. I mean, I was going to summarize by saying 
almost all Republicans can talk a good game. Most of them, it's just talk. Let's see what he can do. He's got to have some action to back it up because you know that they're not going to imp- implement his, his executive order. They're going to defy it. Just like Trump's was, were defied. And it's all going to come with fun. It's all going to come with funding and what he can pull. And there has to be some kind of system that is put in. Cause I know he's also was going to be opening investigations into Loudoun County um, with what happened with that school board, for example, with the transgender young man that actually did three, there was three rape cases now, instead of just two um, that the public was aware of. But anyway, um, with everything coming to light, there's got to be some kind of system that he puts in place where parents can put these reports in. Cause I know he's opened tons of investigations already where he can say, okay, here, these are valid. Your funds are stripped and he cannot let the schools have that money. And that's where it's going to hurt them. Yeah. The Virginia governor has the power of uh, what's called the line item veto. So when, um, when a, a funding bill is passed, he can go through it with a red pen and cross out things that he doesn't like and veto just those things. And then it sends back the legislature and then the legislature with two thirds vote. Is that going to be called like you got yunked from like here on out? I got yunked, man. That's a that's a huge power for a governor who who wants to use power because um, he can just uh, he can just, uh, you know, line item veto a lot of the funding that goes to these special programs. And Chris Christie, Chris Christie had the same power and he, he did not use it during his eight years. It's not that he never used it, but he could have used it for leverage on so many things, things like judges to the New Jersey Supreme Court, but he did not have the will to fight. And that's where all his bravado and the perception that he that he had built up, especially in the early days, was just such nonsense because that was the one weapon more than any other that he could have wielded to, to help move the ball and, and, you know, push it a real Republican agenda. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Virginia there. See, and well, that's Youngkin, where- has, Youngkin hasn't really had a lot of bravado. He's just been a go along, get along guy from the day, from the outset, I think. Yep. By the way, on, on a personal note, I noted that he uh, issued an executive order to get Virginia out of the regional cap and trade agreement, which is called Reggie. And I spent full, a full year in New Jersey on a campaign to get us out of that. And we convinced Christie to do that. So I was actually surprised that he has the uh, executive authority to do that because I think in New Jersey, we got out, Murphy got back in, the de- Democrats went quickly to work to get us back in, and I, they probably passed a bill that um, prevented the governor from doing something like that again. So apparently, it sounds like maybe the Virginia Democrats didn't realize they had to do that. <laughs> See, now, that would be a thing with the districting that we were talking about earlier and essentially gerrymandering for the Republicans um, so that at the local level that we are also able to take the supermajority in a lot of these states. So no matter what, like North Carolina, we've had more vetoes this with this term with our governor than all the governors combined across the United States. Like Cooper does just, he's red, 
red pen happy. And um, that's the biggest thing is when they're doing these districts, we need to have it so that we can have at the state level, the Republicans need to hold the supermajority in these states where they can override the vetoes of the governors. So I have a question. What is the role of the citizen? How much do we think it's important to and how much do we actually do back politicians so that they have guts? And I don't know if you all remember Mike Sylvia. I think we had him on this show, but I'm not sure. He's a state rep in New Hampshire. He's the one who actually is responsible for their constitutional amendment that's actually going to be voted on and have a hearing in the committee tomorrow for New Hampshire independence. And I was on a Zoom meeting with him the other day. And I just, I said, I want to thank you for what you do. And he goes, well, I couldn't do anything without backing. And I wonder how much we back politicians who feign right, because if the only people lobbying them are coming from the left, for sure, they're going to fold. Right, right. And that's how, you know, we've got our representative, Ed and I's um, <laughs> representative. And so Ed had discussed multiple, multiple times how they were using um the whole insurrection word over and over and over because of the 14th amendment section three insurrectionists not being in office. So of course, I don't know if you guys saw in North Carolina, we had um, 10 people challenge uh, Madison Cawthorn on the terms of him being an insurrectionist, yada, yada, yada. And it went to our state board of elections. The superior court shut down the case for now until our districts are redone. Um, and anyway, so the first thing I did was call my representative because I happened to know him personally and I got the same nonsense out of him. Oh, well, let the lawyers handle that. Let this and that handle it. Where is your flipping backbone to stand up and even just say something like you are so cozy with both flipping sides. He drives me flipping nuts, you know, and his next thing was, oh, well, I'll call Michael Watley for you. Who's our chair of the NCGOP. And I was just like, He's got to grow up, grow a pair, like man up. Dude. Okay, so for those who don't have a pair is one question. For those who do, how much do we leave them hanging and how much do we call them up and back them up? So there was a, a there was a minor thing here in New York a week or so ago where I think I mentioned this on the show. We have one city councilwoman in my district who is a Republican and a pretty decent person. She won the city council seat. Back in November, she's one of five or six out of 51 in New York City, which personally I think is a waste. But anyway, she made some comment about vaccine mandates and Nazis or something. And she got reamed, as you can expect, by the press and everybody else. And I called her office and I said, as a local Jewish clergy, blah, 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 I just want to tell you that I'm 90% on her side of this and she should stay strong. But by the time I did that, there were already stories that she caved. And I wonder, would she have a prayer of not caving if she got 100 phone calls like that? Because well, that, for sure getting 1,000 of them from the other side. Oh, yeah. And that is important. I mean, anybody, if they are doing something for the people, they want to be told by the people that they've got your back, that they support you in what you're, I mean, that doesn't matter if you're a small business owner, you know, and you've got your little bit of staff, you want to give them the encouragement, you know, and give credit where credit is due. Cause yeah, they're going to falter. Sometimes they're going to make mistakes, but they want to know that they have your support. Cause otherwise, why are they going to push forward? Right. Well, so let, me ask, let, me, let me say something. Hang on. I have not met a person running for office who didn't have a God complex. These people don't need us to, to back them up. 
they have all the the God complex they need to stand up for whatever oh, it is they want to fight. And for. are you saying I had a God, God complex when I was going to run for mayor? Is that what you're telling me, sir? I ran for office too, so I know all about you. Yes, and I don't see it that way. Well, for sure, not in New Hampshire, where they're literally just average dudes who are, for the most part, in the uh, state house. There, they're literally average people. Um, I think some politicians have a god complex, but they look at how many phone calls they get, and if they're getting a thousand in this direction and two from that, I just don't agree with that. I mean, even forget about a god complex. They all. They know what they why they're running, okay. And and you know if they don't have conviction, it's because they're only running for the money or for the power or the prestige. They all know what they want to do. They don't need to be told by us. I mean, I'm not saying we should keep quiet and we shouldn't speak up. We certainly should petition for redress and and speak up and let them know what our position is. But pardon my language, but that's just BS. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't they don't need us to tell them. I mean, maybe on some controversial issue or some, uh, you know, issue that could go both ways. This is not something that can go both ways. You're a Republican. Your, your fellow Republican is being attacked in an absolutely ridiculous BS manner. Every single Republican in North Carolina, Gina, should be rallying behind oh, Madison. Cawthorn. I flip and agree. Every That's why I called out. Them. I and, said and not just the can- not just the ones that have been elected, the oh, candidates. I agree because I ran my mouth about it. I'm not and I'm not elected to any office right now, but I called out Hugh. I called out Warren. I called Watley specifically, you know, personally, and I called a few other people and everybody's flipping silent on it. And that's because they play both sides. And I'm not I'm not cool with that. I I certainly agree. I do want to comment, you know, reiterate something I said a few weeks ago, and that is that um, it it's it's kind of hard to get elected as a representative because you don't really have a base to raise money from because nobody really knows you and who's going to give money to a representative, right? So I think if we're going to get people like uh, MTG or Madison Cawthorn or, or someone to, to maintain a pro-America uh, anti, um, you know, oligarchy stance, it, I think it's, it's more important for us to, write them a check for 50 bucks or whatever we can afford with, which I have done. Um, then, you know, calling your wishy-washy uh, person because they need to have a base beyond McCarthy. Cause that, you know, McCarthy collects funds from lots of rich people and then doles them out to these races and he ain't going to give any money to MTG. He's not going to give any money to Steve Scalise. He's not going to get any money. Well, Steve Scalise, maybe. Who is the, what's the other one? Uh, brain not working. Massey. Uh, what's that? Jordan, Massey, Jordan. Yeah. He's not going to give any money to the, the pro-freedom people. So they have to have a, a, a support base. And I'm not telling you to give $2,500. I'm telling you to give 50 bucks. And, you know, if you find a pro-American representative um i like mtg i do i really do i like her and so i've donated to her campaign and i'm going to continue to donate to her campaign to the extent that i am able uh and i think that's kind of what we need we need sort of national underground movements for some of these pro-freedom people to get them out from under kevin mccarthy's thumb 
Well, yeah, that's that. yeah. The grassroots movement needs needs to happen because that's where a lot of these people are controlled from the time they hit the their platform or their campaign trail running. You know, they've got the country club folks that are handing them over tons of money, swaying them to begin with, and that's what they need is the the small town people that are actually the ones that are passionate about what that person is, you know, running for with those America first values. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree that money talks, but I, I think grassroots activism can work too. I've been knee deep in, in the roots of the, <laughs> the, yeah. the grass. And, the, you know, there are times where the people in office that we support uh, do need that support, you know, when there are certain um, issues or bills that come up. I'm not disputing what Ed is saying. Lord knows there's a lot of egos <laughs> in play in politics, but there, there are times where they do need support in order to stand their ground. I, I agree with that. I think it, it needs to be a balance of the two, but you know, just the same thing like Joe Manchin right now, you can almost guarantee he's got all the Democrats calling him a racist, him and cinema, you know, and uh, I can guarantee he would like to see some of those phone calls or emails coming in from the Republicans even, or the independents saying, Hey, thanks for what you've you, done. Go I would ahead. take the other side of that bet, Gina. I, I yeah. bet you, I bet you that there are probably, I don't know, maybe somewhere between five and 15 Democrats that will be absolutely silent, but are privately telling mansion and cinema don't get rid of the filibuster. Keep it, you know, let's keep it. I'm not going to speak up. You're going to be the voice. But there's no way that these guys would hold out if all 48 other members of the caucus were really united against them. The, to me, the fact that they're willing to hold out doesn't tell me that they're men, men and women of principle. It tells me that there's, there's a quiet minority in the Democrat caucus that doesn't want to get rid of the filibuster. That's and they're just awesome. and they're just being the voice. But do you exactly. not think like when they squashed the Build Back Better bill that the Republicans, because West Virginia is what, 84% Republican? Do you not think that his party was happy, the Republican Party was happy there? I don't know. Their Republican governor governs like a Democrat, so I'm not sure. <laughs> Ed, I think you make an interesting point because I do think if a politician is out there on a limb all by themselves, they generally won't hang on that limb very long. So, <laughs> Well, exactly. I specifically to the filibuster, I totally agree with Ed that I'm sure there's a whole bunch, yeah. bunch of people using them for cover. And I think right. politicians always play those kind of games. You know, in the year I'm not going up for election, I can vote this way and then I'll vote for you the next time you're up for election. They play all of those games. I just think I'm not talking about the wishy-washy ones. You're never going to make George yeah. W. Bush into a real Republican. But the ones like Massey, or maybe Rand Paul, I think it helps to tell them we got your back. Right. But do those guys need for us to tell them that, that we've got their back? Part of what makes them who they are is that they're willing to speak up regardless of the consequences. So I, I guess I see it differently. The only person I really kind of know well is myself. And I think very highly of myself, but I would assume- <laughs> We all do. <laughs> I would assume that in that position, I would be just as isolated and bombarded as anybody else and want somebody to say, we got your back right. because the pressures are just absolutely insane. Maybe I'm different. I mean, I would almost relish the, the, the possibility of being the only person holding out. They wouldn't bother me in the least. Why would that bother anybody? Who cares? I don't know. Most I know of I'm right. Social beings. 
if I know I'm right, there's nobody. I mean, you can't pressure me if I know I'm right. And, you know, you can bring my son up here. My son will tell you. I, I will bite on and I won't let go at all. <laughs> no, it's I mean, your God complex. All right, I'm going to yeah, put my shrink hat on. I'm going to put my shrink hat on, <laughs> take off my tinfoil hat and say, I believe you're far in the minority. Most of us are social. <laughs> and, you know, in social <laughs> psychology, we need some backing. I, I t- you know, I, I'm kind of like Ed myself. You know, I mean, I, I don't care. Um, on the other hand, though, the, the left sometimes understands that you don't care. And so they'll go after your family and um, they'll harass your, your kid in the school or you'll harass your wife when she's at the grocery store. They don't care. They're not nice people. And so it's that kind of thing that, um, that really gets to people after a while. I mean, they, they did it to uh, Tucker, you know, they, they, they really harassed him when he lived here in the D.C. area and uh, stood outside his home and harassed his family. Um, and, and that's what that's what they'll do. And, 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 you know, we're a small podcast, but if we ever grow to Joe Rogan sides, they're going to harass us, too, and they're harass our wives and children and husband or whatever. And so if uh, you know, we have to be prepared for that. And I think we all have morals and consciousness and we'll be prepared to do it. But I don't think most politicians do. You know, I think they just roll over. Yeah, most don't. And that's the thing is because we're not in their shoes first off. But like I know as soon as I had filed, for example, because I've and I rescinded my candidacy just for this little dinky town that I'm in to run for mayor. And as soon as I did that, I had so much bull crap coming on about me, you know, I would had people making donations for uh, pro-choice organizations in my name and getting mail to the house from all these different pro-choice organizations. I mean, just tons of different flipping crap because they start coming at you. And that's like Rand Paul, when the BLM riots were going on and when they attacked him and his wife outside of the White House. Okay. Those are the things like Dude, I, I saw what you went through and I thank God that you are there fighting for me. I pray for you. You know, those are the things that I would want to hear, you know, if I was in that position, you know, hey, I, I'm praying for you. I support you. I know that can't be hard. You know, I don't know. That's that's just me because I know I had people say, wow, they're already coming at you, you know, and it's just a little piddly crap. But yeah, that stuff would have to take a toll on somebody at some point, you would think. Just my two cents. Okay. And I think, you know, different people are different people. And by the way, Ed, that's why we want to send you to DC to fight for us. I'll get them. Yeah. The uh, committee getting me elected. Ed Maslin <laughs> as our next president. Because uh, anything else, I'm not sure how much you can accomplish. I want to switch topics a little bit to a topic I keep wanting to talk about, but I never get around to. Um, and you guys live in different parts of the country and you probably go shopping. I don't do much shopping. Are there empty shelves and how bad is this? Oh, God, yes. So tell us about where you are and what you're seeing. And everybody tell us from your various vantage points. I literally don't go into stores very often. My wife does or I go on Amazon. But My local store is fine. Our food line here in my little town, it, we've got stock shelves. We never had except the last year with the toilet paper issue. But otherwise, uh, we've been fine. I mean, My local Ingalls, which is not far from you, um, Gina, there are lots of places in the store where there are empty shelves. Are there? Yeah. 
I went in the other day. Now it was before the snowstorm. So that's, that's something. And there was no produce in the whole store. I mean, just, I mean, nothing now. Yeah. They had soup and you know, all the other stuff, but I mean, produce was gone. See, I've seen on the shelves where like, for example, my son likes a, a, the flavor of spicy chicken ramen packet thingamajig. And those have just been hard over the last year. It's hit or miss when you go in there. I try to grab a few of these little soup things. If I see them, I grab them, you know, but um, I'm just glad there's toilet paper. That's all I'm going to say. We've got toilet paper, yeah. paper towel. I'm happy. So um, Ed, Ed Powell, you are seeing shortages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now how much of that was due to the fact that it was going to snow and how much of it was due to the fact that the, you know, the, supply chains breaking down i don't know but i was shocked when i went in the store and saw that well now it's like now you know what it's like to live in a communist country right (laughs) so all right i'm gonna tell a joke that i'll probably get in trouble for but it's one of my all-time favorites it's an american a russian and an israeli are in a store and there's an announcement over the pa system that says we're sorry but due to a shortage there will be no meat today and the russian says what's meat? And the American says, what's a shortage? And the Israeli says, what's we're sorry? (laughs) It's it's a great joke, especially if you've been to Israel, but to America, the idea of something not being on a shelf, (coughs) excuse me, is so foreign to us. I've yeah, lived I got, overseas I, where you can't get everything all the time. And I see the YouTubes, I see the pictures of supposedly empty shelves and I'm trying to figure out what's real and what's not. And is it really this bad? And will Americans wake up if it is? I will tell you an embarrassing story for like 40 years, I've 50 years, maybe I've eaten uh, cereal, Rice Krispies for breakfast. Um, and there is a national Rice Krispie shortage. It started uh, the end of last year. And there is like n- no Rice Krispies in any of the stores, right? Did so, they have to do with the strike that they had, though, with Kellogg's? Kellogg's strike com- combined with the, mm-hmm. you know, the truckers and et cetera, et cetera, COVID and whatnot. So last Saturday, I was out and I was like, okay, I am going to find rice krispies if they haven't i drove to like five six grocery stores all around and i found some i found like a couple of boxes i'm like yeah yeah and grabbed it so i have in fact been eating my rice krispies this week but uh it's it's weird because all the other kellogg's cereals are are there but you know not rice krispies again in our lifetime not being able to get anything was almost just unfathomable to an American. Yeah. I have a question. I'll probably get in trouble for this too. Are Snap, Crackle, and Pop, do they still look like they did 30, 40 years ago? I think they do, although maybe they're multicultural nowadays. You never know. Maybe. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I don't I don't look at boxes. Maybe serious. Crackle is black and, and uh, Pop is trans. I'll have to look. Pop is to... probably Corn Pop. Yeah. Probably. With that being said, did you see the reports that the highest job that was um, trying to be attained. I can't think of the wordage. Um, the most popular job last year was for diversity and inclusion. Oh my God, they're getting paid an insane amount of money. I know. It's not just bringing these crazy people in, dear God. But yeah, that was the most in demand or highest in demand. That sounds a lot better. Highest in demand job for 2021. 
ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, I haven't been to the store in a few days. I, I the shelves aren't full uh, per se. I, I think you know some things end up getting a run on them and they're not there. Um, but I was reminded, of course, that in a couple of short months here in New Jersey, we've got our plastic bag ban. <laughs> so you go to the store and you have to reuse the bag or whatever. I don't know what you bring. You just, I don't know. You just use your hands. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I start to wonder, honestly, if some of these local stores are going to be hurt and you're just better off buying from Amazon or something and having it delivered. So why so put you- up with with this nonsense, right? Which once again bags. gives the money to the big guys and puts the small ones out mm-hmm. of business, and that is part of, if not the purpose, it's a fallout that they're not unhappy with. Yeah, I'm out. New Jersey banned plastic bags. Is that what it? Okay, so it'll yeah. be like all these is now Sing, where you single have to buy. Right. Yeah, I'm actually bags. I'm in New Jersey every single week. Yeah, and I'm in Dunkin' Donuts every single week, and they can't give you bags, and I go to right. some small stores there. And you have to buy bags for 10 cents. They can't and give yes, you paper bags? They can't give paper no, I mean, bags. You're not allowed to use the paper either. I'm just asking. They can't use yeah. paper either? They're recyclable. I, mean, I don't know. Why, why do you think you cut down a tree? Right. Why did plastic? They can make it out of bamboo. Come on. That's why plastic uh, became popular in the first place. We were trying to save the trees. I'm talking right? about bamboo and recycled paper. Come on. The stuff you oh, can use to wipe your with. Let's go. I might have to go in with the cart, bring the cart to my car, maybe have a cardboard box and just throw everything in there. No, it's like the very old days, people. When I was in Israel in the 70s, there was no such thing as a bag. And everybody walked around with this plastic baskety thing, which I thought was so primitive and so horrific. And now America has gone there. You have to bring your own bags to the stores. Oh, you look like Little Red Riding Hood going through the forest with your basket on hand. That would be so Uh, cute. worse. It's Aww. a lot. It's worse. It's horrific. And I know they're doing it in New Jersey. Another reason to move to Florida. I'm not, yes. Escape to Florida. Just just in case you want to know, they've got great insulated uh, reusable bags from Sam's Club. They're like $4.99 or something like that. I take them there all the time because they don't have bags. So it's a great, great option. Just I don't you know. know. As an American, it it um, assaults my sensitivity, so to speak, that we have a shortage of anything. And that we don't have 4 billion paper bags and 4 billion plastic bags. It is absolutely ridiculous. Like they say, the best way to make sure there's enough trees in the world is to let capitalists use the trees because they will plant them as fast as they can. But we can't go that way. Uh, If they're not bare now, um, I'm afraid that at some point in the near future, they're going to look more bare. That's no bueno. Okay, so some see a supply chain crisis and some are not seeing it at all. Well, here, here's the thing. So there is a supply chain crisis big time because I don't know if you guys saw, but they are actually going to drop the age. And I can't remember what state or if it was multiple states is going to be doing a trial run um, of having teenagers drive big rigs and do the CDL really? thing. Yes. Like, yeah, I, I'm just shocked by that one. Really? I didn't see that. One. Yes. I don't remember if it's like a group or a cluster of like four states, but there is a huge supply chain issue. That is for sure. And transportation, because um, we're lacking CDL qualified drivers as well. But yeah. Well, I think that's going to get better when he gets off paternity leave, isn't it? Listen, Petey's going to be on his own form of leave for a long time. That guy's useless. Just uh, saying. He'd probably be in better shape if he's useless. Um, well, I don't know how young you could be to drive a truck, but I'm against arbitrary ages anyway. 
Uh, I don't think a 17 year old should uh, be on the highway with one of them big rigs. That's, um, that's just me. What was your great grandfather doing at 17? What was my great grandfather doing? My great grandfather. I don't know. God, I don't know. He wasn't, I, yeah, dri- he wasn't driving a semi truck, though. He was a full fledged adult in absolutely every respect. And we've turned 17 year olds into babies. That's my philosophy. I agree that we've turned a lot into babies. I just, I don't know. I don't think with the way that people are zooming in and out and how vehicles have advanced and crotch rockets going in and out and people being distracted on their phones and everything else that a 17 year old in today's world, not 17 year old, you know, 80 years ago where they were off in wars and providing for their family and working the farm. 17 year old now versus 17 year old 80 years ago is a big, big difference. Right. I mean, how can you, on the one hand, Steve, say that we've turned them into babies and then say, well, let's give these babies the keys to a, a, a you know, an 18 wheeler. Because <laughs> I assume there are 17 year olds who are mature functioning. There's some. Adults. It's mostly women, mostly 17 year old girls, just saying. And let 17 year old girls. <laughs> and listen, there's some burnt out old people driving big rigs, probably. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying the arbitrariness of age. Is right. Yes. And whether it's gotcha. 17 or 21 or 25. You know, Mike's our insurance consultant here, but, it, you know, you turn 25 and all of a sudden you could drive a rented car and a day before you couldn't. And I think it's rather arbitrary to me. So, yeah, but I mean, sometimes you just need to, I mean, there just needs to be a line. For experience. I mean, it's I for that's, experience. That's my line. That there, yeah. has to be a, that there has to be a line. <laughs> be that as it may. Um, yeah. There is a truck driver shortage as far as we know. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of companies are paying big bucks to get these people on the road and get their CDLs big time. Well, they're also super regulated. And I guess that's another issue. Mm-hmm. You know, should it be illegal to drive as long as you can drive? I have a lot of issues with those rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're at what, eight hour or 10 hours per day? I don't know what it is, but you drive a certain amount, you have to sleep a certain amount. Right. And. It, I, it I get, I get my it. libertarian blood. Right. See, and I get that. Like my grandfather, for example, um, he fell asleep on the road multiple times and crashed his vehicle. Um, I personally, personally, because I have issues, so I can't see out of my left eye, for example, and it gets real tired from where I had a stroke and that eye naturally just wants to shut on me sometimes. So I have got to pull over off the side of the road because if I was to try and stay on the road, I'd literally pass out driving and cause a massive wreck. So I understand that just because I can feel it happening to me all the time. So I wouldn't want to have, it's like putting somebody that's drunk on the road, you know, saying, Hey, it's, it's my libertarian values to me. I wouldn't want to have that person on the road because they're a danger. Somebody that's been staring at a yellow line down the middle of the highway for 10 hours, their eyes are going to get tired. That's just libertarians. Libertarians need to learn that assault is just as punishable as battery you don't actually have to hit somebody if you're if you're in a real objective threat to somebody you can be stopped you can be restrained and i think that i think that some people can be restrained even before they've directly threatened somebody i think that you know i mean i don't think a five-year-old should be driving a rig i don't think a seven-year-old should i mean where the line is i don't know but i think it's okay to have a line agreed What's what's the cat think? I don't know. We're going to disagree on that. I think the cat went away. He <laughs> <laughs> went ran after the mouse. Is Robert still with us? Um, he seems I, to still be on. 
Yes, ma'am. We have a lurker. There you go. <laughs> um, we may be able to bring another accent in, which would be really cool, but I don't know if you- And where's Robert from? Robert, where are you from? I'm American living in England. Oh boy. So wait a minute, or was that today that they just, was it England? Where's- Boris uh, Johnson just canceled yeah, the COVID yeah. something. Did you, did you catch Gina's great English accent earlier? That's the question. The spot, I'll tell you, yeah. Yeah, Johnson looks to be on the rocks right now. But what did he do? What I, I just saw literally a headline right before right. this. What did he do? Well, there's what did he do and what are they trying to hang him on? Uh, two different things, really. He deserves to be out, in my view. Um, he's governed not like a conservative, but more like a hybrid labor Green Party guy in many respects. Um, what they're hanging him on is uh, more than a year ago having a Christmas party at number 10 when his government had just put the whole country into lockdown. So they're, they're hanging him on the, the, the immediacy of the, the hypocrisy uh, without really addressing the root causes of it all. What did he cancel today? He canceled all COVID restrictions? Well, he canceled some. Oh, it says he, restrictions including, so no more COVID-19 passes, no more mask mandates, no more mandatory work from home. Um, he also suggested self-isolation rules may be thrown out at the end of March. He's also not renewing um, COVID pass mandates on the 26th for nightclubs and large events. And from Thursday, indoor mask wearing will no longer be compulsory anywhere in England. And then the requirement for secondary school pupils to wear masks during class and in communal areas will also be removed from the Department of Education's national guidance. Da, 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 da. Great summary. Huh, what prompted that? And that, that's pretty interesting. And also, does he really have the authority to do that unilaterally? Uh, Parliamentary governing system, yes. Robert, hadn't Parliament already enacted some of these measures? Um, there's authorizing laws, is my understanding of it, that uh, the government uses to mm, uh, create the specific rules that they then promulgate. Um, some of these laws expire, by the way. There's one that's, um, I wish I could give you more detail of it, but the, uh, there's one that's expiring in March. That's the, the I believe, the general health law um, yeah, Heidi's in the background telling me it's technically called the Coronavirus Act, um, okay. which I think is actually a good um, way to go about these things. Uh, we would call them uh, sunset laws in the States. Um, uh, it then removes the government's authority to do certain things. But so he's he just canceling things on his own, isn't he? Not everything. Yeah, He's yeah. Well, his for... ministers are the ones who imposed them in the first place. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and the the cynics over here think that really all of this that that he's uh, doing now um, is getting rid of a bunch of unpopular things to try to cling um, to power. Um, oh, absolutely. That's exactly yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. But he's yeah. not getting rid of the mandate for healthcare workers to get vaccinated. That's the one thing that it um, says he's not. That's what it says that, he's not. Good. But don't you usually move left to stay in power? Why would he be moving right to stay in power? Because of all the riots in the street. 
mm-hmm. protests in the street? A lot of things even here don't get published. Um, they, they had um, uh, a rally in London a few months ago that drew um, close to a million people mm-hmm. and you saw no reporting on it. I saw a little bit here. We saw a little bit in the States with that. I was proud of y'all. I don't know if you were part of that, but if you were, I was proud of you. Wow, I just got a thing from Marjorie Taylor Greene on Telegram. Good news for Brits across the pond. While Americans face tyrannical mandates from COVID, King Biden. Boris Johnson scrapped COVID mandates in England. So this proves that MTG does listen to our show because she literally got to this now. (laughs) And as always, we are way ahead of the curve. I wish it were being repealed over here uh, on principle, but it's not. It's just expediency. Mm -hmm. But that means there's pressure coming from that side, which is a good thing. Sure. Um, There's a system here that the the governing party um, can remove its prime minister um, if enough of the members of parliament um, submit a letter um, expressing no confidence in the, the serving prime minister. And word was today that there were a dozen more letters submitted to have uh, Johnson step down and choose a new prime minister. Okay, so this was shoring up his base so they wouldn't vote no confidence. It would seem. Yeah, I mean, Israel adopted their systems from the uh, Brits, so I'm kind of familiar with it. Sometimes I wish we could do no confidence in president. Sometimes I like our stability, but that's a complicated subject for another another month. Yeah. yeah, would we end up more like the UK or would we end up more like Italy, which had, what, 40 governments in 35 years, something like that? Right. On the other hand, we're stuck with certain people for eight years. Well, there is that. Does yeah. anybody have a guess who the next country is going to be that's going to drop everything? Doesn't look like it'll be Israel, but you never know. Ah, good luck with that. They're so buried in their beliefs, yet they talk out of both sides of their mouth almost every day. So it's hard to keep up with their rules as well. They have some Israeli experts talking against the vaccines right now. Mm -hmm. But again, it's just so hard to keep up because every day it changes. Mm -hmm. You know what I've just been blown away by? So you guys, I'm sure know that you can't come into Hawaii unless you're vaccinated and all that kind of stuff. Triple vax now. Is it triple vax for Hawaii? Yes, they just changed it. Okay, so I can't go to Hawaii, bummer. Yes, but it's it's like they're their own little country. So what what can the rest of the states do? I mean, is there anything like lawfully that is discriminatory towards keeping other American citizens from crossing into that state line? Their number one industry is tourism. Right. Let's see how long they can go without people visiting there. <laughs> well, I know they've lifted a lot of the restrictions internationally for the cruise ships. And that must have came after all of their cruise ships had COVID outbreaks on them from the vaccinated. I've heard that the there's not that the cruise ships are sailing and there's not a single cruise ship that doesn't have COVID on it. And right. they're just they're just asking people to um, stay in the rooms if they have COVID. And that's yeah, it. some of them. You know what? That's sane, really. Well, that's yeah. If you've got symptoms, go keep yourself. That's the same thing. If somebody's got a cold, you don't want it. Take care of yourself. Go put yourself away. Come back out when you're better. But there have been cruise ships who ended the cruises early, very recently. Yeah, and then there's some where it's out of control. But I, um, the, that's the virus going to virus strategy, and I'm sorry, but that's where we're all going to have to be. Well, did you guys see that Starbucks? Even even Starbucks, I just saw that they just pulled back their vaccination mandates. 
So yay. So and General know. Electric, which is big because not only is General Electric a big company, but it's a huge defense contractor too. Mm -hmm. And thus it, it is subject to the contractor mandate as well as the OSHA mandate, both of which are right. on hold. Um, but but wow, that, that was impressive. General Electric, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I really am curious as to what made them switch all of a sudden, if it was going to be a staff shortage or what the issue was that made them actually turn around and was so quickly back. Was the head of GE a good friend of Obama, or am I mixing that up? Well, I'm yeah. sure they are. They're all the same. But he was very close to <laughs> one of the specific people. I thought it was GE. Mm -hmm. I believe you're right. I'm trying to remember the context too. Steve, I, I, I think that pod, I think, you know, podcasts, uh, especially, um, you know, Joe Rogan and um, and Telegram and some of these other alternative channels that are growing leaps and bounds are getting the word out that the vaccine, you know, doesn't really work and is extremely dangerous, especially for young men. And I, the more that information gets out, the um, the more hesitant people are going to be to get the vaccine to begin with or to get boosted if they've already gotten the vaccine. And I think the companies realize the writing is on the wall if, if they're not like totally and completely woke. So, um, yeah, you know, it is it is funny to see these. Pro it, it, I'm sorry. It is funny to see these protests against vaccine mandates and then having Antifa you know, anti-fascists allegedly uh, come out and, and try and beat the crap out of people who are uh, um, protesting against the vaccine mandates. Um, it just, you know, gives the lie that they're an anarchist group, and, but they're, you know, they're hardline communists who are supporters of the, the regime. Isn't Antifa just a thought? Isn't it just a thought? There's just no an idea. Antifa. But yeah. if, if big pharma is the hero <laughs> of the left, and who saw that one coming? Yeah, who saw that yeah. one? <laughs> and it's all because of with Liz Cheney being the heroine of the left. And it's all because of Orange Man Bad, which is weird because Orange Man is like taking credit for the vaccine. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> a little mixed up, is it not? Yeah, it was. Well, it, it's interesting you bring Trump up because, uh, you know, I, I get the emails from um, Gab and uh, there was a recent one talking about how a lot of their people are very upset with Trump. It's really Trump's face, right? About the vaccines and how he's been pushing the vaccines. And I, the big question going forward at some point, and assuming he runs again, and I think he's going to run, it'll be in the primary, is what did he know and when did he know it? Okay, because I, I think, you know, you go back to last year, 2020, I don't know anybody who was against the idea of taking down, um, you know, regulations, removing red tape and moving things along faster. But as time went on and we learned more and more, you have to wonder what he knew about these vaccines and what the risks were involved with them. And it's, it's something I think he's going to have to answer for. Why, why well, would he ask, when did he know and when did he know it? I mean... It's not when he it's not about when he was president. I mean, yes, it is right now. He's not president and he's still. But the vaccines were in clinical trials. Out. They were what? in clinical trials during his term. Right. But I mean, look, I was against all of this from day one. I didn't support two weeks to flatten the curve. I know. So you don't have to convince me on that. But what I'm saying is I think that his base is pissed off at what he's done post presidency a lot more than what he did during his presidency. 
he could easily turn on a dime on these vaccines now and say, you know, I made a mistake or I meant, he doesn't have to admit a mistake. I meant well, I thought they were good. I took mine, but you know, facts are facts and, and they're obviously not working. There's obviously a problem. Somebody's got to, you know, step in and do something. I mean, but he won't do that. He's right. just, he's just pimping these vaccines like, yeah. like they're God's greatest gift, or in, in other words, his greatest gift to, to all of <laughs> us. And, and I think that's what people are getting pissed off about. People's yeah. lives are getting turned upside down over it. And, and he is not, he's not defending his most loyal supporters yeah on the but, vaccines and on the January 6th people. And, well, and actually not, on those people who worship Trump and felt he was playing for the chess, and I think that includes Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, and Coulter for a brief moment, et cetera. I think Laura Ingram was on that trail, maybe he is playing for the chess and he's way ahead because if he comes out for vaccine mandates, he will force the entire left to switch back on a dime. <laughs> well, to, to Ed's point before, I do think that the, the writing is on the wall. I think the jig is up with the vaccines pretty soon because you've seen the, the WHO pull back on the idea of a fourth jab. Pfizer, um, they have ulterior motives because they have another drug in the pipeline. But I think you've seen Moderna's stock tank and there's one, one other company too, uh, Bio, help me out, Ed. Anyway, they, they've, yeah, their, their stock has gone down as well. I think I think the jig is up. I don't think they're going to be pushing a fourth jab. And I think at that point, things get really interesting, don't they? Because how how do you rationalize as a pro-vaxxer? How do you rationalize in the media that you're not getting a fourth jab? Are you going to try to tell us that you got the third one and you're, and you're good and your immunity is not just going to go like that and that you're not susceptible anymore to the to the virus or the next variant? I mean, I don't know how you pull off the mental gymnastics. Wait a minute. When gonna... does the press have to rationalize anything? They can switch well, and dive. And... Listen, I mean, like I said, it's, it's going to be interesting to see so what the mental gymnastics you, are. Did any of you read the story I posted about the life insurance policy? Yeah. Because to me, that's one of the most fascinating stories. Yeah. Now, when I spoke about it with my uh, lawyer consultant, um, whose name won't be mentioned, he said, you know, he'd like to know what the rules are in France about insurance policies and what the actual contracts state and, you know, before right. commenting on it. But that's lawyer talk, unlike Ed, who will talk like to regular human beings. But the idea of refusing to cover a death benefit because it's an experimental vaccine, I find that's a really interesting angle. And if that ever hit here, that would have potential to change a whole bunch of things. So, Ed, you're the legal person. What do you think? They called it suicide, literally. They, yeah, they suicide. really went far, yes. Well, I, I hate to disappoint you, Steve, but I think that your other legal contact was exactly right. I, I don't know French law. I read the, I read the story. Um, I think you're right that if some insurance company over here tried to pull that, it would be really hard to maintain the narrative that they have, that the media has right now, uh, that these, these are safe drugs, that these are safe vaccines. Um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous that people can be forced to take them. Um, and, and even if it were experimental, I mean, I don't see how that's suicide, personally. I mean, there are lots of things that are risky, but... Well, let's go back to your thing. If they're saying that you risked your own life recklessly, let's go back to what we were talking about five minutes ago. If you were a drunk driver and you killed yourself purposely, could they 
or not purposely, it's but not purposely. Negligent. That's yeah. point. But it's if more, you were very negligent, a... could they turn down a death benefit for that? Now, my my lawyer seems to think it's all based on what you actually signed up for. I have no idea, but yeah. it it is. Except that insurance con- those kinds of insurance contracts are highly regulated, and if as long as you're outside the first. I mean, first of all, even suicide is is usually covered beyond the first attempt. Two years, I think, of the policy. Uh, as long yeah, as yeah, mine happens, is mine is three years. My insurance years. policy is three. I mean, I, it's going to vary from state to state, but I think it's usually about two, maybe three years, maybe eighteen months, some places. Uh, but even suicide here is generally covered after a certain specified period. Um, so I don't think that the law would be the same here, but. Um, if the contract provided for it, I mean, that's what insurance companies do. They try and avoid paying. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> I just think the angle is really, really interesting. And, you know, I don't know anybody except for maybe Mike, who's ever read an insurance contract cover to cover. And what do they say about being very negligent about your health? And are there any outs for them to pay death benefits? Well, again, I mean, if you're asking me, I mean, I, I, I'm handling more property damage so homeowners policies and things like that but the devil's always in the details you're either covered for something or, or you're not and i'm sure the same is going to apply for a but these contracts contract. probably go into a lot of detail don't they i would imagine so so yeah. i, I mean the, the interesting thing about your homeowner policy you get it and it's like maybe that thick and you have your declaration pages up front and it might talk about certain things like you know, flood isn't covered and you can get earthquake insurance, but that's not your policy. I mean, your policy is really going to be like this thick and have every freaking form in there. So nobody gets their actual real policy. So the idea that, you know, you could read it and figure it out. No. (laughs) Yeah. I want to switch to one more subject, A, because the uh, owner of Liberty Block is pushing the subject. And also it's, it's very much out there. The whole cancel culture and this, um, what, what does he call it? What I keep forgetting the, the name for it. The social credit scores is very much in the news. So you have um, OAN being canceled by um, by Directv or AT and T, which AT&T. is seemingly a very big story. You have Mike Lindell being debanked by two banks. Yep, by a couple of banks, and that mm-hmm. seems to be a big story. I had in the show notes a week or two ago. Another conservative denied a mortgage outright because of his political views. And Glenn Beck actually gave a big shout out to New Hampshire, because if you go to Liberty Block, there's an article up on there from today about this. Glenn Beck gave a shout out that there's a proposal in the New Hampshire House prohibiting financial institutions from using social credit scores. And apparently this social credit scores, I know Beck talks about it a lot. I'm a little ambivalent about Beck. I don't know if he's paranoid but that we're more and more going to be restricted in our ability to do business in this country. Mm-hmm. We're going to wake up and it's going to be China. And I think at some point, hopefully we wake up before it's too late, if it's going to go that way. I think it's coming. I mean, <laughs> with the social credit score, so we've seen that happening and that's why, you know, the right has started their own networks. They've started their own mortgage company, whatever. There's a commerce system that is being launched, whether it's social media like Rumble or Getter, um, different mortgage companies that are lenders that are on the right, whatever. They are coming forward and starting their own stuff. Aren't because, they super highly regulated lenders? 
I don't know all the ins and outs about lenders. I mean, um, you can't just start a mortgage company as far as I know. No, you can't just start one, but there's a lot of bankers and there's people with money that are starting different organizations. I don't know what it takes to get them going. Um, but once like the credit card companies stopped accepting payment from these companies as well, that was another avenue that had to be launched. You know, I mean, there's so many different things and that's where we are going to be divided um, on the right and the left for our commerce and everything because of these social credit scores. Or you social know, a lot standing. of the really big players are cracking down on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are some really big, the banks doing it to Mike Lindell. I don't know if they're very big banks. I don't, I'm not familiar with I couldn't name. find which banks it was that were. Uh... Heartland, I think it was called. But you have Chase, you have Bank of America, the really big players mm-hmm. who are, limiting who they're doing business business with and that is really really oh, scary stuff what's oh, that it is. and let's remind ourselves that banks are not really private institutions right um they are beyond uh they're almost parts of the government um and not just because of governmental regulation but because of the cartelization that came from the federal reserve so it's um there's absolutely no question that these banks should be prohibited from discriminating based on the point of view or political beliefs of the uh, people they do, do business with. I don't, um, I, I do think that uh, a law that prohibits um, banks from doing this is, is certainly justified. And I hope that um, somebody in the Republican party uh, understands this and they they go forward with such a law or even you know a regulation under the current civil rights statutes which i think is probably good enough right Um, don't they only protect things like race and sexual orientation but never political issues it's not clear about that right i mean because the law i'm you know libertarian i don't think that law is is a, a good law. So let's, you know, we'll, but, but, but given that the law exists and that it's being used to, that, and, and that the violations of it, you know, dis, discrimination are being used against us, I do think that we should, um, we should fight back. And uh, but we would have to pass the law because the laws are not written that way. As far as I know, discrimination by political viewpoint is legal for everything. And what, what do you say? I don't think that's true. Like in a store, like I, I don't think you can like if a store says no Republicans are allowed in and, you know, it doesn't uh, break any law. What law does it break? It's the um, what do they call it. And it's the. Uh, um, well, the civil rights laws don't generally prohibit you from discriminating on the basis of political viewpoint. But the counter is is the you know, the gay wedding cakes. Yeah. And, and, it, it, and disparate impact against uh, white people because more white people are conservative. But it's okay because we, we deserve that. There's no problem with that disparate impact. Well, the, the law isn't written like that either. And the case, because the cases are, the laws are written specifically about sexual orientation. And, and we never get a law passed about political viewpoints. Well, there, there is such a law, believe it or not, in California of all places that you can't discriminate based on uh, viewpoints. Um, so I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's I off think- the table. And I do think that you can, you know, 
even states like Virginia, which is kind of 50-50 nowadays, I, I think you might be able to push such a, a law. I think one well, of the lessons push of, it, of both Republican. Biden and, and Obama is it doesn't matter if it's against the law or unconstitutional or contrary to law, just do it and make them fight you, make them sue to, to invalidate it, make them fight all the way to the Supreme Court to invalidate it. In the meanwhile, implement the regulation, implement enforcement of it. I mean, and, and you know, you have your chilling effect. And, you know, I, I hate to put it in those terms, but that's, that's the game that's being played today. And that's what needs to be done. I'm totally. No, I think you're 100 percent right. And I think that's why Glenn Beck is yelling about it more and more, because it's happening to more and more businesses that they're being shut out of the banking system. I mean, it started with the guns, I think, several years ago. And that was specifically started by the Obama administration. Yeah, this choke point thing. Whereas I think this this this, you know, anti-woke kind of stuff now I mean, I think it's sort of organic in the whole oligarchy itself. It's not necessarily that there's one evil Bond villain mastermind behind it all. I think it's um, I think it's just sort of in the air in the, the whole oligarchy class. And that's, you know, and, and or, people, or they're afraid of the Twitterati. I don't know. But I mean, what do you make of the American news? How big are they? I don't follow them that much. How big a deal? Some say it's going to crush them totally. Does anybody know? They've they've got um, free outlets to watch them, Um, but it is going to take a big toll. I can tell you right now, it's channel 347. Uh, It's two below Newsmax. I watch it all the time. A lot of it is because they do a lot of live streaming because I like to hear stuff straight from the horse's mouth. Um, I mean, there's, there's, that's going to be a big loss. And will DirecTV lose anybody when somebody? I think I think they will. Or... Well, think... Rand Paul said he he canceled his DirecTV subscription today. Now I have mm-hmm. DirecTV also, and um, I'm not a big fan of DirecTV. I'm I keep thinking I'm going to switch to Verizon. I never get around to doing it, but um, I don't know. Maybe I'll get off my ass and do it now. See, but that's the thing. So like with Verizon, AT&T and all that and everything that's happening. And I'm going to say I am kind of happy because we have come to a point where now we can see what companies, what organizations have our same values and we can be picky and we can be choosy about who we want to use. For example, like I've hurt myself. I can't do my normal work that I normally do. So I've been looking at different companies locally, you know, within like a 20 mile radius and a big one that's around here is Baxter, which is healthcare, you know, and they're hiring for a ton, a ton of stuff. And, um, you know, I just saw all their woke, just BS, their woke BS plastered all across their website. And I was like, ha ha, I would never put in a job with you. And I hope other people are waking up and doing the same thing because these companies will collapse. There are more of us than there are of them. But you in know? some of these areas, there's not a lot of competition. Like in the Not KPD a lot of areas. area, there's one or two in an area, period, mm-hmm. in many places. And where are you going to go? There was a rumor on the Internet today that the new chairman of Disney um, went on a rant to both the rest of the board and the management about how poorly Disney is treating its customers. Mm-hmm. And um, she ended up the um, this rant by saying something on the order of, um, 
if you are not here to make money, go waste somebody else's money. Meaning, you know, if you're here to make woke bullshit that nobody's going to buy, um, then uh, then get the hell out. We're going to people make... come with the business to make money. I thought they do it to make jobs for people and take care of people. Well, you know, I think the Hollywood people thinks, you know, Hollywood, the purpose of Hollywood is to, um, you know, extract money from flyover country and give it to the upper class, you know, the, the, the beautiful people. Mm-hmm. And I think the, that that is no longer working that well, to be honest. It's um, not, I think Disney was hit hard um, when they were dealing with the NBA. Disney had mm-hmm. a whole bunch of issues with pedophiles working. There was tons of articles that came out. I think the one string, they had like 150 employees within Disney um, taken down. They had, you know, the diversity and inclusion being pushed through Disney as well, which they're now backtracking. I mean, it's so much, you know, and I know. But I mean, a- that, you know, they paid four billion dollars for like the Star Wars franchise mm-hmm. and they lost money on it. Now, I, I don't know how you lose money on Star Wars, one of the most popular th- things that has ever been produced in my lifetime. But they managed to lose money on it by making it woke. And the new, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they spent a ton of money and had a really great, you know, the most profitable movie of all time, Endgame. And then they've released like 10 movies after that. And nobody's gone to see it because it's all uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity. And, and it's going to bite them all it's in all the tush. It's great. See what happens when you go to the dark side? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you go to the dark side. And, and the, um, all of the Disney brand movies, there's nothing new. They're just doing like remakes. Uh, they are of, remaking them with gay characters. Come on. Yeah. That, that's remaking new. Remaking them new. with gay characters and remaking, you know, cartoons that were pretty good. I like the Lion King. I like Beauty and the Beast back in the day. They're remaking them with, um, you know, live actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they recast the, um, the redheaded Ariel in, uh, the little mermaid as, as a black girl, I'm sure the black girl's fine. You know, she's probably a good actress and everything, but it really does violence to the original, um, you know, Hans Christian Anderson story to, um, to race swap all of these characters. So I think they're not going to make any money. And I think that's the thing. It's like the people who own the stock are finally, finally waking up to the fact that if you keep doing the woke stuff all the time you're going to lose money and i if this rumor is true maybe it bodes well for disney sort of dewokifying a little bit well it's great i mean they have backlash i mean parents upon parents canceled disney subscriptions a year and a half ago two, no it was about two years ago now you know with all the news that was coming out all the shows that were coming out that went against traditional uh conservative family values um like it's it's not allowed in my house for example and you yeah, know, I canceled my Disney Plus subscription when they fired yeah. Gina, Gina Carano. Uh, yeah. Um, all she sure. did was, uh, you know, she posted, posted something on social media. media. Yeah. And uh, and they fired her for it. So I, I was done. When that- That's where I'm glad for Daily Wire and for them doing things, you know, doing production now and doing music companies and different things, because it gives actors and actresses like her an outlet. So we were talking about that earlier. Sorry. Gotcha. Okay, I want to start wrapping up. So let's go to the uh, time where everybody gets to talk about what we didn't talk about. Mm. I'd like to go first. 
uh, and go back uh, slightly to the Texas synagogue story, which, um, you know, we're all glad that all the hostages were released. But according to the rabbi, um, and this is a quote from his interview at, on CBS Mornings, the last hour of the standoff, he wasn't getting what he wanted. It didn't look good. We were terrified. When I saw an opportunity where he wasn't in a good position, I made sure that the two gentlemen who are still with me, that they were ready to go. I told them to go. I threw a chair at the gunman and I headed for the door and all three of us were able to get out. And there was video that showed that the three hostages got out before and that FBI standing there and they saw all the hostages go out. And then they went in and killed the, um, uh, you know, bad guy. Now, I do not mourn for this bad guy. He certainly deserves death. But I mourn for the loss of intelligence information that his death caused. And I wonder. Uh, well, well, Ed, Ed, I'm going to stop you here. Are you really going where I'm afraid you're going? I am going where you're afraid I'm going. I think they killed him on purpose. And they said never attribute to malice what you can attribute to stupidity. Yes, and I know the FBI is incompetent, but man, it relieves them of a whole lot of... That thought occurred to me and I tried to take my tinfoil hat off, that they killed him to keep all the information out. That's a scary thought. I'm going there. You are going there. Wow. I am. Wow. So All right. that's my think alike. Uh, well, I have a couple of things. Um, I, I came across a story today. Uh, there's a sprinter from Switzerland who took a second shot, a booster shot. And I think she mixed up Moderna with one of the other ones. And guess what? Pericarditis she's been afflicted with. So you're talking about somebody in the prime of their life, the ultimate uh, state of health. And now she's got a, a serious health problem. And uh, I put that against the backdrop of what's happened to Novak Djokovic and how he couldn't even get into Australia, probably will be banned from some of the other Grand Slam events. And, and the irony too is in, in Australia, you have a, a population that's pretty much well over, I think 95% backs at this point. And Omicron is running rampant there. They're seeing cases unlike any other country has seen since this thing started. So it just, you know, it just speaks again to the fact that, you know, this stuff isn't working and young people, especially really healthy young people have no business getting the shot. I still see commercials every day pushing for five-year-olds to get the shot. And it's frankly sickening and disgusting. Um, the other thing, back to the life insurance issue, I'm not sure if we've hit on this appropriately enough, but there have been a significant increase increases in numbers of people um, getting those death benefits in uh, 2021 versus 2020. So I don't know exactly why. I know there were a lot of lockdowns in 2020. There were a lot of things going on at the start of this that would cause people to die, younger people to die. But for some reason, 2021 is worse than 2020. So I'm just wondering what the variable might be there. I mean, we said last weekend that the all-cause mortality in the Pfizer study, in the study itself, more people died in the vaccine group than died in the placebo group. And, okay, if you look at 
how many people died directly from COVID. Fewer people died in the vaccine group than in the uh, placebo group. But if you look at all-cause mortality, the vaccine group was worse than the placebo group. And if you scale that up to 250 million vaccinated, the number of people who died because of the vaccine is, is just absolutely frightening. And that's based on Pfizer's own data. That's not me pulling stuff out of my you-know-what. That's Pfizer's own data. It's just, it's beyond belief if, if, that, if it scales. Um, there are some people who are saying that it, deaths are 40% over the pandemic from, from uh, you know, the, um, the Pfizer study, the all-cause mortality was only 21%, but it was a small number. These um, insurance companies, if that's true, uh, that it's 40%, I mean, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people being killed by this vaccine. And it's, it, God, if this is true, this is the largest mass murder in the history of the United States. And, you know, if it goes on further, I mean, we're getting into mini Holocaust territory here. It's just, it's unconscionable. Gina? Yes. So a huge one for me is the new law passed out of Canada that infringes on religious liberties, number one. Um, Have you guys seen that? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody? So, okay. So, uh, Cal- or, sorry, not California, but California's next. Canada has passed a law that if your child, for example, say my kid comes up to me and says, mom, I think I'm a little boy. You know, it's a little girl says, I think I'm a little boy. So transgender and all this other nonsense. If I was to tell my child, no, we need to go to the psychologist. You know, we're going to go to the doctor and go talk about it. I am at risk of going to jail for five years. The psychologist that may suggest, you know, not doing, um, Uh, not cutting off their parts and mutilating them can go to jail for five years. A pastor, like if a family brings their child to church, um, simply um, to to speak with the pastor and say, Hey, you know, this is how God created us, yada, yada. They are um, at risk of going to jail for five years. So they have banned pretty much anything that has to do with religious freedom. um, When it comes to God creating man and woman sure, and passed in Canada. And oh, it passed. Yes. It just passed this past week. Um, and it will come to California next, no doubt. And New York. So that is what worries me big time. Same. And I, I think that's huge. And I'm very disappointed that only 4,000 pastors here in the United States have uh, signed on to go completely against that. It's, it's yeah. Well, it's I against think a lot of freedom. them are also scared to death. Of what? Losing their 501c3 status. Well, then, you know what? Those aren't true men of God. Sorry. It's very hard when you're talking about your living. And by the way, the guy in Canada who's in jail because of, you know, keeping the church open during COVID. I mean, this, not everybody's going to have the guts to, to fight that. Right. You no, know, the Bible is being banned, I think, in certain European countries. You cannot read verses from Leviticus. Mm-hmm. And that's it's, really, really scary stuff. Who would believe this? Oh, it, it's oh, horrible. It's four, and it's twenty twenty two. Yeah, it's it's disturbing. Why don't you make nineteen eighty four fiction again? Ed, last words. The story that popped up at me in the last few days is that all of a sudden, 
Russia's encroachment on Ukraine is back in the news. And I, I continue to believe that that's somewhat of a head fake. I think the purpose of that being in the news is to soften the American public up for, for war. I don't think that we're going to send troops over to Ukraine, but I do think that there's going to be a war over Taiwan. And I think that the Biden administration is bought and paid for by the Chinese. I think that we're being set up for a, for a humiliating military debacle in, in Asia. And that's, that's what I think is going on right now. I, um, I, I noticed, you know, like I said, that, that Ukraine is all of a sudden back in the news. And I think it's just designed to get the American people softened up and ready to, to go to war. Um, and they'll pull back from Ukraine, but Taiwan is going to be sold to us as a, an ally that we have to defend and that we have legitimate interests there, which we actually do have interests there. So it wouldn't be a total lie. Uh, but I'm, I'm so uh, cynical about the Biden administration that I think that we're being set up for a, for a military debacle. Which and also begs the question, who's running the administration, of course. That's my thought for the, that's my story for the week that I think we didn't cover. Excellent. Well, you make other great comments. So, all right, folks, we'll wrap it up for today. We'll see you next week, regular time, four o'clock on Wednesday. Thank everyone for being here. I think it was another wonderful, great show. So have a good day. Thanks, everybody. All right, Bye. guys. Once again, feedback to EJS show at protonmail.com. And please visit libertyblock.com for the latest articles. Take care. Have a good night.